Hey, 24. Uh, my name is Ben Atkinson, and I'm, I'm here with you again uh, two weeks in a row. But uh, I always uh, love these opportunities to, uh, to preach and teach. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. I'm the discipleship or, or microchurch pastor here. Um, and uh, I'm excited to, to learn in God's word with you this morning. Uh, most of you know me, but in case you don't, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my family. I've uh, been married to my wife, Megan, for a little over 10 years now, about 10 and a half years, and we actually met at this church. Um, I left for a little while and then came back, but uh, in the early years we met here, and it took me a while to, uh, to uh, finally start dating her. We were just friends for a long time, but we eventually started dating, and um, and pretty early on knew that uh, we were probably going to get married. And we have uh, three kids these days. We have Stratton, my oldest, who's nine, and Starkville, who is seven, and Keller, my little girl, who's six. And I will never forget the day uh, when my wife, uh, I think, walked into our bedroom and told me that she was pregnant. And uh, I found out for the very first time that I was going to be a dad. I uh, remember this specific song that I, I still play from time to time, and it reminds me of that moment, but I was listening to this worship song, and I laid down on my bed, and all kinds of emotions uh, were going through my mind. I felt uh, excited and full of joy and a little anxious, and, and I was going to be a dad. And, uh, and that's actually what we're going to talk about a little bit today in today's message. We're going to talk about how God is our Heavenly Father, and what it means to be members of God's household, what it means to have him as our Heavenly Father. Uh, and so we're going to see a few different things. We're going to see, uh, one, just what it means that we're adopted into the family of God, and then three implications in the text for, for how that interfaces with our life and how that should change how we Live And so we're going to be in First John together. So I want to go ahead and invite you, um, you know, with your phone or your Bible in front of you to turn to First John 3. And we're going to dig into three verses there. And as we do, as you turn there, or flip there or, or scroll there, let me remind you just a little bit about the context of First John. Uh, this is a letter written from the Apostle John. And, and this it's the John that you've heard about, the one you know, like Peter, James, and John, one of Jesus's 12. He wrote this letter. Uh, he also wrote the letter of 2 John and 3 John. Uh, he wrote the book of Revelation, and he wrote the gospel of John. And he's writing this letter to us today. And, and he's probably, he probably originally wrote it to the church in Ephesus. That's a guess. We don't know for sure. But probably the church in Ephesus, where he did a lot of ministry and where he, that was his home base of ministry for a while. And he's wanting to remind his listeners some things about Jesus. There were some bad teaching going on about uh, maybe Jesus isn't really the Messiah, uh, or maybe he was just a spirit and not really a human being. Uh, maybe sin in our life isn't that big a deal. And as someone who walked with Jesus and knew Jesus, John wants to remind his readers of the truth about who Jesus really is. And so he writes this to us today. So let, let's go ahead and read it together. This is 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. And this is what the Bible says. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. 
and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has thus, uh, this, uh, thus hopes in him. Uh, ooh, let me reread that. And everyone who thus hopes in him in Jesus purifies himself as he is pure. It's the word of God. And I think these verses are important to us today because if, if these sink down into our hearts, if they really hit us, I, the reality that we are so loved by God that we've been adopted into his family. He isn't just like forgiven us. He's made us part of his family. If, if that truth would sink into us, it would change us. It would change everything about our life. And the truth is, if you've grown up in church or maybe you've just been around kind of religious people your, li- your whole life, you can hear phrases like this. You can read verses like this. And it sounds so normal that the truth of what John is saying to us doesn't really land on you. But I'm hoping today we're going to have a Holy Spirit moment and this truth is going to land on us in a fresh way. And we're going to be reminded of what it means that we are so loved by the Father that we've been adopted into his family. And so that's what I want to happen in these next few moments as we study together. I know Chris just prayed for me, but I want to pray again and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you have adopted us into your family, that you really are our Abba, you're our Father, and you love us more than we can even comprehend. God, I pray in these next few moments with your help, with the Holy Spirit's help, that you would help these truths to land on us or that you would challenge our hearts and prick our hearts and remind us of truth that we need to hear. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person that's listening in a unique way, the very thing they need to hear right now. And let this just be a spiritual, wonderful moment as we revel in what your word says to us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first thing I just want to point out is that we're children of God. So read again with me. Verse 1 says this. It says, see, or you could even translate it, look, behold, and it's a command. So John really wants us to pay attention. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. So very recently, I was reading through J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, with uh, a former roommate of mine from college, and we meet together uh, way before all this COVID stuff happens. We meet together every single week uh, via Skype or FaceTime um, because he lives in Mississippi and I live here, and we study the Bible together and we study books together, and we were recently reading through J.I. Packer's Knowing God, a Christian classic, and I'd never read it before, and so we're reading through it for the first time, and in uh, in chapter 19, this is how J.I. Packer starts out chapter 19, and it blew me away when I read it. And this is what he says. He he asked this. He says, what is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God for his father. And then he goes on to say this. He says, he says, but cannot this be said of every man, Christian or not, emphatically 
No. The idea that all men are children of God is not found in the Bible anywhere. The Old Testament shows God as the father, not of all people, but of his own people. The seed of Abraham. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go. Exodus 4.22. The New Testament, he, he goes on to say, has a world vision, but it too shows God as the father, not of all men, but of those knowing themselves to be sinners who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their divine sin bearer and master, and so become Abraham's spiritual seed. So it says, this is what it means to be a Christian, to have God as your father. And when I read this, I was like, is that right? Is what he said just right? Because I was like, surely in some sense, God is the father of everybody. And so I began digging in the scripture and just asking myself, is, I wanted to trust J.I. Packer, but is J.I. Packer telling me the truth here? And uh, the first thing that popped in my mind is this sermon on Mars Hill where Paul's preaching and he's, he's talking to people that don't know God. And, and he says this to him and he says, he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of all the earth, having determined uh, allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he's not actually far from each one of us. In him, we live and move and have our being. And then Paul says, even as some of your poets have said, so he quotes not Christian poets, he quotes pagan poets. And he says, and this is what they say, for indeed we are his offspring. And so I think that's what popped into my mind when I was like wondering, is J.I. Packer right in saying that God's not the father of everybody, but only the father of believers? But Packer is right. Paul here says that we're the offspring of God. In other words, God made everyone. That's where we come from. But he says nothing about him being the father of everybody. Because that has to do with relationship. And so as I explored the scriptures more, I came to believe that what J.I. Packer was saying, that there's something unique about being a Christian. And here's what it means to be a Christian. God's your dad. Here's a few verses in the New Testament that say similar things. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And then he goes on to say, the spirit himself bears witness. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God. In other words, we're going to inherit the, the, the riches of God and fellow heirs with Christ. In John 1, so same author as what we're studying today. John says this in John chapter 1, the gospel, John. He says, Jesus came to his own, so the Jewish people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So Jesus came to his own people and they didn't receive him, but to anyone who did receive him, he gave the right for them to become children of God and have God as their father. And then even in the 
the Lord's prayer or the model prayer, Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says this. He says, pray then like this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. So throughout the New Testament, the Bible's teaching this truth. God is our Father. And, and John says, that's amazing. See what kind of love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God. Craig Blomberg says, use of this intimate term, Abba, for God, is almost like the equivalent of, of the English word, daddy. And it was for, for somebody to teach, for Jesus to teach, that we should call our Father God, or call God Father, call him Abba, he says, was virtually unparalleled. That was like new news. No one had heard that before. Jesus was saying something really unique when he said, I want you to pray in this way. Our daddy, our Abba, our father. He says, that's blowing people away. D.A. Carson says that that was so significant that the early church wouldn't let non-Christians pray this prayer. The early church was really particular. You had to be a Christ follower to take the Lord's Supper because that was only for believers. And he was, and they were real particular about the, the, this prayer, the Lord's prayer. You couldn't say this if you weren't yet, as, as far as they were concerned, you couldn't say this prayer. You couldn't recite this prayer if you weren't a part of the church because it was people that were followers of Jesus who had God as their father. So here's what I want to land on you. You, you know, when, when we're saved, you know, we're, we're regenerated. God awakens our hearts. We're declared legally righteous. We're, that's the big word for that's justification. All these things happen to us. But in addition to that, we're also adopted into the family of God. So, so think about this from 24 church perspective. We say all the time, gospel, family, mission. What we're saying by that is not just that like, we kind of like each other. Like it's cheers. Hey, Norm, you know, it's a, it's, it's more than just, Hey, we're, we're good friends with one another. We're saying something really spiritually significant. We're saying that God, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has adopted you into his family. Jesus in a sense is your brother and you've been adopted into the family. God is your father. And we really are brothers and sisters with one another and we, and God loves us like children. That, that's what it means to be a Christian is that God is your father. Uh, Wayne Grudem defines adoption this way. Adoption is an act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. And then listen to what J.I. Packer, he sheds some more light on this. And he says this, he says, to be right with God, the judge, that's justification. He says, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father, adoption is an even greater thing. You see, God didn't just forgive you of your sin and declare you legally righteous. When you follow Christ, God brought you into his family. So I remember hearing this story by Jeff Vanderstelt. He's a pastor in, uh, up in the Seattle area. And he was discipling this guy for a while. And he said one of the things they would do is they would pray together. And he realized that in their prayers together, this guy who he was discipling never would refer to God as his father. And the Holy Spirit kind of, I think, pricked 
uh, Jeff's, Jeff's mind in that moment and said, he doesn't understand that I'm his father. And so he said, hey man, I want you to start praying to God as your father. And when he said that, the guy was like, okay. And, and because he had had a real, I think less than ideal, I don't know all the details, but a less than ideal upbringing, a less than ideal father, he really struggled to call God his father. He really struggled to, to comprehend what it meant that God was his perfect heavenly father. But eventually through asking the Holy Spirit, help me, help me see that God is my father. He was able to start praying that way. Here's the plainest way I know how to say it. And I, you've, you've maybe heard me say this before, but in Jesus' baptism, you know, it's this beautiful Trinitarian moment. We just talked about this in the kids lesson a few weeks ago, but, but you know, Jesus goes out into the water to be baptized by John and the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. I don't know if that means it was actually a dove or just kind of, he descended like a dove, but the Holy Spirit's there, we're told. And then a voice from heaven, that's the father. And the father says this, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And listen, if you're a Christian, God says the same thing to you and I, not because we deserve it, but we're so fully adopted into the family of God that God looks at us and he says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. Ben, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He, he couldn't possibly love us any more than he does. And he's adopted us into his family. That's the big thing I want to start with. And then three implications from that. The first implication is about the world. So people that don't follow God, the world system that's against God. And look what it says uh, in the end of verse one. It says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. All right. And I think John is referring back to an idea he's already developed in the gospel of John chapter one, when he says this, he says, the true light. So that was Jesus, John one, nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. Okay. So in a real sense, before our eyes are awakened to Jesus, we don't know Jesus. And so people that aren't followers of Jesus, there's a separation between us, between Christians and non-Christians. doesn't mean we should act weird, but the world in a real sense doesn't understand us. They don't know us and they didn't know Jesus. And until they come into saving faith, there's a, a way that the world lives that's different. There's a way that the world hopes that's different than how you and I live and how you and I hope. Uh, Danny Aiken says, the child of God is unknown by the world because they have different fathers. If you're not yet a Christian, whether you realize this is the truth or not, the Bible teaches that Satan is your dad in a way. You're following the ways of Satan. You're following the ways of the world, which is fundamentally at odds with the ways of God. It's fundamentally different, different values, different ways of living, different uh, goals in life. To, to be a Christian is, is to have your world transformed and for everything to be different. And so the world does not know us because God's our father. So let me ask a couple personal questions. If, if you're a Christ follower, 
could it be said of you that you're radically different from the world? Here's another one. How does your life differ from the lives of your coworkers whom are not Christians? Or if someone observed both your life and the life of someone who doesn't know Jesus, how would they differ or, or how should they differ? Our lives should perplex the world. Um, the, the, the way that here's a, here's an obvious way. You know what? Christians are still screw up. We still make mistakes, but Christians should be the first ones to apologize. The first ones to ask for forgiveness and admit I was wrong. We, we need grace like everybody else, but because, because God's adopted us into our family, because we have a different way of living, because we're different from the world, all these little subtle nuances about our life should be different. How we spend our money should be different. How we think about sexuality should be different. How we welcome the stranger and the sojourner should be different because God has adopted us into our family. He showed us tremendous grace. We didn't deserve that grace. He showered it upon us and he says, I want you to shower it on others. Live differently. Be salt and light people. That's the first implication. The second implication of having God as our father is is what it says in verse two, okay? And in verse two, it says, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The, the second implication of being a child of God is that we've just entered into this relationship and God's not done with us. There's, there's more stuff coming. Danny Aiken again says, on the one hand, John wants to accentuate the fact that we are children of God here and now. At the same time, the full extent of what we will be has yet to be revealed. Although our present status as children of God is wonderful, our future state will be even more extraordinary. So I may have mentioned these before, I don't remember recently, but there's three big words that are really important kind of theologically for Christians justification, that means it's a legal term. It means we've been declared righteous. Sanctification, which sounds a different, it sounds the same, but has a different, you know, sound to it. Justification, sanctification. Sanctification is a word that means we're growing in holiness with God and he's set us apart for a special purpose. And then the third word like that is glorification, which is the point that we're all looking forward to when God finishes what he started. He saved us and he continues to save us and make us more and more like Jesus. And one day he's gonna come again. The dead in Christ will rise first and we're gonna be given new bodies and, and be made perfect. We're gonna be like Jesus. We're not going to become Jesus. We're not gonna become gods, but we're going to be made perfect. And, and everything's going to be restored back the way that it was in the beginning in the garden when we walked and had fellowship with God. And that's what he says. He says, beloved, we're God's children now. So we've already been adopted into the family and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. We're gonna be like Jesus because, and here's how it happens, because we shall see him as he really is. So there's going to become, there's, there's going to be this moment where we see Jesus with unveiled eyes and, and just that glimpse, if I'm reading this text right, just that glimpse of the unveiled Jesus and his pure glory is going to transform us and make us perfect 
and set us back the way that God always intended us to be before sin wrecked this world. Okay, so here's a couple of verses that talk about this. Colossians 1.6, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he, that's Jesus, who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Or 1 Corinthians 15, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking about death. We're not all going to die because Jesus could come again and some of us are going to still be alive. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're awaiting a day when what God has started by adopting us into his family is going to be complete when we're made like our brother, Jesus. And, and those of us living in a sin-wrecked world, a disease-ridden world, like we're living in right now, I'll be honest, I, I know people personally who've had their friends father die or who have had their grandfather pass away because of the coronavirus. And that's not the way the world's supposed to be. And Jesus came to fix it. And he, he starts the fixing when we accept him as our Lord and savior and are saved and become members of the family of God. But he finishes the fixing one day when he returns again and we put on imperishable bodies and live in a renewed heaven and renewed earth. That's the second implication of being a child of God. The third is how we live. So look at verse three. First John three, three says, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure, right? So if we really believe what John says here about who we are, about our identity, that we've been adopted into the family of God, then that should cause us to live differently and to live in a pure way, not a perfect way. Uh, first John's really clear. <laughs> uh, earlier in that book, he says this. He says, this is the message we've heard from Jesus and proclaim to you that God's light and in him is no darkness all, at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then he says this, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay? So Christians who've been adopted into the family of God, still sinners. 
But because God's our father, we want to please him. And so we live differently and we seek to confess our sins, to pray for one another, to be healed of sin and to walk in holiness. That should be the aim of our life. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This idea, this is basic Christianity. Not that Christians are perfect, but that Christians need to walk in the light and try to live like Jesus lived with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes we get, I don't know, we, we abuse grace. We, we think about grace wrongly and we say what Paul says we shouldn't do. We go, well, he's going to forgive me, so I'll just live however I want to live. And Paul says, by no means do that. Seek to be holy. And it's hard. As someone who's been walking with Jesus, I'm 40 now since I was seven. I've gone through lots of periods and continue to go through periods where I struggle with sin and I'm seeking victory over sin and I want Jesus to purify me more. This idea recently, I don't know if you saw this, this made the rounds a couple months ago, but this interview with Justin Bieber, and I make no claims to know where Justin Bieber's heart is, but this interview was amazing where he's talking with Zane Lowe and he's talking about his faith. He for a long time has said he's a, a Christian, but more recently it seems that Justin Bieber has become more serious about his faith. And here's what he says in this interview with Zane Lowe. This is fascinating. He says, I believed in Jesus, but I never really like, you know, when it says following Jesus is actually turning away from sin. And so, you know, where it says in the Bible, there's no faith without obedience. I, I had faith about like, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, but I never really implemented it into my life. I never was like, I'm going to be obedient. And Zane asked him, he says, what, what was the turning point for you? And Justin rep- responds, he says, I think it was my perception of who Jesus really was. I, I had had really bad examples of Christians in my life who would say one thing and do another. So they were my direct example of who Jesus was. But then listen to what he says. This is amazing. He says, the, the way I look at my relationship with God and with Jesus is I'm, I'm not trying to earn God's love by doing good things. God's already loved me for who I am before I did anything to earn it or deserve it. It's a free gift by accepting Jesus and giving your life to him. As best I can tell, Justin Bieber like gets the gospel right here. He says, I didn't earn anything. I didn't deserve anything for God to shower me with his grace and invite me into his family and forgive me of my sin. But now that I'm in, I want to please the father. And so I need to seek to live obedient. I need to seek to live the way that Jesus calls me to live. Can't do it in my own power. Got to be the Holy Spirit that helps me. But that's how I'm called to live because I've been adopted into the family of God. You, you see how if you think of God as a judge, then following him is just about obeying some rules. But if you realize that God is not just a judge, he's your father, and he, he speaks over you, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And you feel, by the Holy Spirit's help, you feel the weight of that. You feel the love of God just, just wash over you. Then you go, man, I wanna, I wanna please my dad. I wanna, I wanna please him. He, he's loved me. 
and adopted me into his family. Let me read it again. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. J.F. Packer again says, to be right with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is a greater thing because you've been invited into the family. So when I ask you just a couple questions in closing, have you really come to terms with how great the Father's love for you is? If you're having trouble believing that, that God really loves you because of Jesus, I want you to ask, I want to encourage you to pray and to ask God to reveal his love for you. Ask him to reveal his, his, how he loves you as a good dad does today. And ask him, say, God, I, I believe what Ben's talking about. I see that it's in scripture, but I'm having trouble believing this. Would you allow my heart to receive that truth and to believe this? If, if you are a child of God and you know that you are, you're a Christian, you, you, Jesus became your Lord and Savior a long time ago. I wanna ask you, are you living in accordance with that? Are you seeking to be pure and purify your, yourself because you know that Jesus is pure and that's how you ought to live? Okay, and then I've got a question for you if, if you're not yet a believer, you're not yet a Christian, and that is, would you like to have God as your father? because you can today. He can become your Lord and Savior. He can, God can come to live inside of your heart and you can be forgiven of your sin and adopted into the family of God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says when he's talking about his ministry. In Acts 20, he says this. He says, uh, when I was doing, he, he, Paul's like one of the first missionaries, right? He's the first church planner. And he says, he says, when I was doing my ministry, I did not shrink back from declaring to, to you anything that was profitable. I told you everything that was profitable. I taught in public and from house to house. And this is Paul, and this Paul says is what he, he taught. He said, I testified to all types of people, Jews and Greeks, of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. If, if you want to know what's profitable for you, what the apostle Paul says is profitable, if you want to become a child of God, all you need to do is repent, which means admit that you've made a mess of your life, admit that you're a sinner and in deep need of God and ask God, place faith in Jesus, ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you and give you new life. And he will. And you'll just that quick become part of the family of God. Let me pray for us. Father, I can't make these words that I just talked about land on people, but I know that you can. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to feel afresh and anew that if we're in Christ, then we've been adopted into your family and you love us big time. You love us as much as you ever could. 
And Father, Father, if there's people watching or listening today and they know they've not yet passed from death to life, they've never made that decision where you've become their father. Lord, would you draw them to yourself today? Would you help them to pray to you? And, and Lord, would you save them? Would you come into their life, give them repentance, Father, and give them faith? Help them to make that crucial decision to follow Jesus today. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.